Hi everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to the IoT Insider. My name is Dan Cunniff and I am Managing Director of Pangea. And today I am thrilled to be joined by my good friend and Sales Director, Bernie McPhillips. Hey Bernie, how are you doing? Hey Dan, nice to be introduced as your good friend as well as Sales Director. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, great to be part of this podcast with you. Feels like it's been a while. It has been a while since you and I have been on them, to be honest. Just trying to think when the last time I introduced you as my good friend. Maybe it's just January. Let's see how we get into the next one, turning over a new leaf here. Well, the new year spirit is among us. Exactly. Well, to everyone, uh, a very happy new year and welcome to 2022. We uh, wish you all the best and a very prosperous year ahead. Uh, but today, we're going to take a look at what's in store for the IoT in 2022. Uh, and whether it's a good year to get started with IoT, uh, if you haven't already, I think, you know, Last year just compounded the IoT surge, um, particularly started with pandemic. And, you know, a lot of different things came about where the whole market was probably turned a little bit upside down in terms of how you react. I would say that you've probably never seen as many movements in healthcare as we would have because of pandemic or ways in which we could track and measure things like temperatures of the vaccines and all these things that suddenly came up. And healthcare marketing particularly was um, sort of well uh, addressed around IoT, but I think from from our perspective, and you know, looking after our partners all around the UK and obviously around the world, the business case for IoT is bigger than ever. Um, and this year, we really think it's going to be interesting to allow almost almost any type of market to get involved. Uh, Bernie, from your perspective, IoT and pandemic, anything that sort of came to mind from your thoughts? Lots done. Yeah, I think you just nailed a good chunk of it there. But a lot of use cases very relevant to the pandemic. One that you referenced there was the safe transport of the vaccine need to be yeah. stored continually under minus 70 from point of manufacture right through to to it being administered to a patient that needed to be scientifically measured and proven so that was you know, a lot of a lot of sensors um in vehicle out of vehicle refrigeration monitor etc people having to connect to their place of work or systems or applications or things from anywhere, you know, became a thing because travel was restricted and we were all edged to work from home and minimize contact with others. So I think whilst a lot of um, use cases were born out of the pandemic, it's now very easy to relate those to use cases outside of the pandemic. And I think now a real tipping point, like with most technologies, is when users stop asking themselves, why would I need that or why would I want that? And start asking themselves, why wouldn't I? Yeah. And 2021 really felt like that year because you know, the use cases that you can apply were seen to be extremely efficient, um, commercially viable, very trustworthy, like things from the pandemic. And you know, we were connecting Nightingale hospitals and COVID-19 testing stations. We were connecting school children who were digitally excluded. Yeah. We were all yeah. over this, right? You know, and um, indeed won an award for our response to, to the pandemic here in the UK. And so just being able to take those use cases, but apply it to pretty much any business vertical now, um, yeah. just gave us the real the real proof of, you know, that IoT is is most definitely the future. If we want run back the clock many years, and in the first couple of years of Pangea's existence, even a lot of the feedback from our partners or prospective partners is like, yeah, we get it. That's the future. Artificial intelligence, AI, driverless cars and all that stuff. I think there's, it's no longer um, a perception that it's the future. It's now. Uh, I don't know if you agree. Is that what you felt over the Yeah, the I was, was going to add to that. I mean, um, particularly around how we are seeing more and more, I like to kind of call it the pool from partners where 
you know, um, when we started this business almost seven years ago now, um, it felt like there was a lot of push and you're trying to get people to to buy into it. And um, I think last year, 2021, even through pandemic and the adjustments to different, um, the ways in which different businesses had to operate, um, quite a lot of the sectors actually started to pull this technology towards them, you know, saying, I need you to help me connect this or measure this or be able to give me an order trail because you know what i'm on the hook for being able to show if this thing is actually in the right place in terms of a temperature or a location or, or kind of whatever it needs to be um and our partners are always very well positioned for this because they have their relationships with these different customers um and these different sort of you know sectors so they so they do definitely go hand in glove um the other bit yeah. i was going to say is that we are seeing not just the health sector on the back of a pandemic but the reason why iot is you know bigger than ever is you've got other specific areas which are starting to um, really light up and, and, and maybe we sort of touch on a couple of them, you know, in particularly, you can't look further than electric vehicles right now. I think, you know, you've got um, some stats where, you know, over 40% of the models here in the UK are available as electric um, and it's predicted to outsell diesel in this year. And I think, you know, the UK law has put down a marker to say that by 2030, we should not be selling um, any diesel cars or petrol cars, which means that everyone who's going to be going for a new car has to be electric in some way, shape or form. Um, I personally don't have an electric car yet, but I am seeing it everywhere. And it's probably um, a very good reason to kind of get into it. What does that mean for IoT? Well, you need electric charging stations. You need to know if they are up and ready to be used. Are they giving back to the grid? Are they? Is there surplus energy? All this sort of monitoring and understanding of that grid is going to be vital you know you may even think of it as a as a new network in the uk electric vehicles being seen as a new network i know your team's already managed to win a few deals in this market you may want to share with the yeah yeah absolutely right yeah with every electric vehicle that vehicle needs to be charged but even connectivity within the vehicle often these vehicles are smart themselves um, in terms of the telemetry the performance of the vehicle preemptive maintenance that is running exactly as it should been able to direct you to where your nearest and most efficient charging stations are. There's all different types, you know, get these kind of superchargers and that type of thing relevant to, to certain types of cars, which can charge in a you know, fraction of the time. So yeah, the, you know, the, the connectivity is not just in the charging stations, but also in the vehicle themselves. You know, we're really proud to have um, been chosen to partner with quite a number of the leading electric vehicle charging stations in UK and beyond, indeed around Europe and, and, and even further afield on other continents like the Caribbean. Yeah. So you were able to provide intelligent mobile data um, for these services, multi-network for resilience and ease of deployment. You can often be rolling this out over vast and complex geographies um, where network coverage can vary. So provide a single SIM multi-network allows the device to connect based on signal strength and pooling of data um, or obviously through our, our management portal, able to monitor everything in real time, set alerts and usage notifications. So there's nothing unexpected that can happen. So it's instances like this, and they were spoken about for many years, not all SIMs are equal. Just rolling yeah. out a mobile broadband SIM in this instance just wouldn't cut it. It needs something more than that. And we're able to deliver that with whatever IP address you need as well, because often you're able, you, know, you can need to remotely dial into these assets to make sure that everything's working exactly as it should be. So an incredible market. Um, yeah, not too sure I'm ready to let go of my combustion engine just yet, but I'm sure I'll, uh, I'll be joining the electric party soon, I'm sure. Yeah, I think it's going to become, well, you can see by, you know, the fact that they want to almost exclusively have electric or 
a forward electric vehicle on the road by 2030. I think that means we kind of we're kind of all going to be in that road anyway. But the point is that you know what is the what is the business case for our partners as a start of a year? Why you should be considering the things that Pangea do and how we can help you, right? So we spoke earlier about pandemic and sort of healthcare, but there are way more opportunities around connected healthcare, wearables, etc. You know, Deloitte's predicted something like 330 million wearables will be shipped worldwide this year. And the point is, we're trying to give you guys who are listening opportunity to just think, well, wow, that's actually a big market. If I can be a 1% or a half a percent in a big market, that's worth doing, right? That's how you kind of set your ideas around business case and deciding what you want to do. A lot of these wearables really are coming out because it's all about trying to do predictive maintenance on the body, right? On the human body. So how do I understand um, you know, oxygen, blood oxygen levels, or probably st- stroke risk, even COVID symptoms. What can I do to kind of pick that up ahead of time? Um, and we talk a lot about these uh, smart patches, you know, which um, I wouldn't profess to say how you plug them onto yourself, but it's hopefully not too in- invasive. But, um, you know, to be able to provide even deeper levels of data that can um, help you to even administer medicine. This is not a pipe dream anymore, right? This isn't like, you know, Terminator 2022. This is real stuff. And ironically, I was actually on the phone this morning to one of our sales guys, Terrence, whose wife, Amanda, was getting some sort of smart device um, just put slightly under her skin, which was connected to help her with her own uh, medical conditions. So the stuff is real, right? And they need to be, it needs to be connected. So there's no reason why that's not part of your business case. Unlike the other things that we've discussed already, they, the need for them, the proliferation of these devices you know, increased massively during the pandemic because all of a sudden... You know, the NHS and, and, and other medical um, practices, one of their biggest priorities became keeping people away from the hospital or the clinics or GP surgeries, because obviously as a, as a, as a country, we were looking to avoid people congregating anywhere, let alone somewhere where there's lots of unwell, unwell people. Um, so yeah, certainly being able to monitor patients' vital statistics from uh, a distance and gather that data remotely um, and then contact the patient to discuss those results over video without even yeah. the need to to see that patient in person. And we've obviously also been a big part of the the project to roll out connectivity to GP surgeries across a vast geography yeah. in, in the UK because doctors uh, had to switch to um, video technology a lot of the time to perform the consultations. But a lot of GP surgeries are in remote locations, towns and villages as opposed to major cities. And the UK network infrastructure wasn't maybe set up to, to connect those places where you need high bandwidth connectivity because there could be yeah. two, three, four GPs in a surgery all trying to conduct video surgery at the same time. They've probably been able to get away with ADSL up until then, running a few computers on the receptionist desks and that type of thing. All of a sudden, high data required. There wasn't the time, the logistics or the the you know the the the, cot, the, the, the budget to roll out fiber to all of these places so we were able to light them up overnight right and get them connected with high speed secure connectivity that they needed with the right ip addressing um so again just you know, a real privilege to be part of helping the uk through the pandemic and i think that's you know you're kind of touching on to something while it's um it's always important to understand you know the volumes in a business case where the market is trending that's what we're trying to share today really is just kind of a little bit of a reminder of where some of the some of the big hits are coming but You've said there's security and, you know, there's nothing that needs to be more secure than anything related to probably your vehicle, maybe even, you know, yourself as well, you know, on yourself, wearables, et cetera. How, how are we tackling this as an, as an industry? Um, 
you know, IT security is going to play an even bigger role. And uh, last year we talked about it, um, sort of stepping up the plate and, you know, especially considering that there were over 1.5 billion very easily preventable attacks on devices in 2021. But for those of you who um, have seen this or have not kind of uh, picked up on it yet, actually the UK government released a new set of guidelines that's going to protect IoT products. And I can only really describe it as that, you know, for those of you who have um, maybe more technical roles and you buy a new device, uh, generally that device has got a pretty obvious default password. It's usually something like admin for the username and maybe like admin for the password or something pretty trivial. Um, What the government has said that, you know, we're going to ban default passwords and that the manufacturers must actually take a much more uh, stronger onus on the fact that their product needs to come out with a little bit more security on it, particularly from a default password perspective. And I think this is a great thing because, you know, wearables being shipped, um, bought at, you know, the equivalent of like a UK Walmart or something like that cannot just have a default password on it. These things need to be addressed. And I think we're, I think we're right up for that as a as an intelligent mobile data provider, as an as a global IoT connectivity partner for a lot of these international players. Taking more responsibility right at the beginning just makes for a much more solid foundation. I think that's the right way to look at it from a security perspective. Um, I don't know if you if you kind of think that maybe the way that the security is moving forward, I mean, that's probably one step, Bernie. I mean, there may be other things that we can start to consider, particularly from our perspective around controlling IP a bit better or maybe figuring out how we can help customers. Yeah, certainly. I think the new guidelines help massively. Um, I think, you know, kudos to the UK government for, for getting something right you know, in this particular instance, putting the responsibility back on the manufacturers, um, greater um, you know, security roadmaps around IoT products, because I think one of the key objections maybe around the, the adoption of IoT has been security. And you consider some of the information that may be flowing backwards and forwards around CCTV or location, or as we've just been discussing in you know, healthcare solutions, private patient medical data and that type of thing. Security is absolutely paramount. If we're going to live in this connected world where everything is connected and information is being shared freely between these devices to allow automation and efficiencies and economic and environmental impacts, the security of that data is vital. And I think up until this point, security's kind of sat right in the middle of IoT, but it's not really been particularly clear whose responsibility it was. And I think it, you yeah. know, that that visibility of whose responsibility is, is it's definitely clear now, right? You know, it's important. It's, it's all on the manufacturer. If we can provide really secure private connectivity, yeah, I don't think there's any instance in the world of a mobile network being hacked in terms of information being taken directly out of a mobile network. Vulnerability tends to be at the edge at device. Um, so so the, 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 the significance of um, security and the roadmap for that, for these products being pushed out to the manufacturer of these devices is a, is a really key turning point. But again, like back to your point earlier about not all connectivity is the same, you know, or not all connectivity is equal. I think making edge devices or at least mandating edge devices to be a little bit more secure, particularly around the username password scenario, as was just put out by the guidelines, but then working with someone like a Pangea who then also gives you that security or along the network side, you know, you're kind of piecing all these things together. That means when you have a conversation with a customer, you can feel immensely um, empowered to say, look, this can be as secure as you need it to be because we can do both the network side and the device side at a level of security. And these things are important, right? Because guys want to know. The number, when you look at the number of devices that there's yep. going to be, that's why it's important, right? 
depending on what analysts you, you kind of subscribe to. Exactly. Cisco said last year, 27.1 billion. That's three and a half connected devices per person on the planet. This is you know, seven point something, um, 7.7 billion people on the planet. So kind of three and a half. Um, I think there's other analysts talking about you know, 29, 30 billion this year. So that's taken that up to four or just around four connected devices per person. So yeah, I think you know it's wonderful to see because again, you talk about the, the push into the market and how we used to talk to, to yeah. adopters you know, a few years ago. These stats seem so far off. You know, There's going to be this many billion devices connected by this year. It's here, it's now. Yeah. There's already three and a half to four connected devices per person. I know I'm certainly above that average, I think, if I, <laughs> if I think of what's connected in the house right now and that type of stuff. But yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just awesome. that you know, we, We've been speaking about this stuff for seven years and more, and now to be in it and it's all around us um, and it's the here and now and not you know some kind of futuristic thing that we're all meant to believe is going to happen. It's, yeah. it's right here. So, yeah, it's, it's truly awesome. And if we sort of bring it back, just, 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 just sort of round up, you know, the whole point of today's podcast is really to talk about why the business case for your company or for you to get into IoT, intelligent mobile data, working with Pangea, hopefully to kind of go in that direction is because we're describing specifics in a market where it is around either it's IoT healthcare or it's electric vehicles, there is a need for security. All these things actually drive the fact that there are more and more accurate um, predictions on how many devices will be connected to the internet, right? That's what's happened. So to me, when you look at a business case, if you can be a part of a growing sector or a growing uh, market and you can take your slice of that growing market, that's a, that's a good business case. We also know from personal experience and the partners that we have, that it is a lucrative market as well. You know, back in the day, it was much more focused on probably lower value, I suppose, revenue per unit, whereas today it definitely has a, an increase. You know, there is a far higher dependency on the services that we put into our partner channel than ever before. And so therefore, the revenue requirement and the com- and the sort of layers that you add onto it um, makes it more sticky, more... Um, kind of revenue rich and also just becomes more critical to that deployment. So in terms of the kind of conversation around, you know, is the business case there for getting into IoT, even maybe thinking about doing it for the first time? I mean, I would obviously say this, but 100% I think it is true because of the market being much larger than ever before, more devices being connected than ever before. And we can't see it stopping, can we? We don't see, oh, suddenly there's going to be less devices than next year or than last year to this year, right? I mean, from a sales perspective, you're a bit closer to it, I think, than I am, but we definitely every day are getting requests on how can we connect these things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And think it regardless of which analyst you subscribe to now, everybody's saying that mobile data to connectivity is now by far the biggest element of, of the telecoms industry as a whole. Mobile data has grown by you know close to thirty percent year on year the last two years or so, and this is before we've even got full blown five G in the UK or, or much further beyond as well, which just opens up a whole new world. You're gonna have connectivity at your fingertips, not bound by wires. That's going to be to stand toe to toe with the top end of fixed connectivity products, but be entirely more flexible. Multi networks, you're not dependent on one operator's infrastructure, and you can move about. Because a lot of the things that we're looking to connect with within the Internet of Things are not things you can run wise to when it's vehicles or ferries going up and down the Thames or the things that don't need to be connected for very long. Hospitality, pop-up retail, temporary sites, 
um, porter cabins, construction, that type of thing. It's given customers exactly what they need it, where they need it, for as long as they need it, uh, and then just be able to pack it all up, move it on, and just plug it in again at the new location. Things that you just simply can't do with a with any form of um, fiber or, or copper cable infrastructure. So, yeah, as you said, it's easy for us to say, but the time is now to to to, to get involved. We've said, I think we've probably said this every yeah. January, right? So this is the year. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I'm pretty much guaranteed we'll be sat here saying the same thing again next year because there'll be new use cases, new devices, um, increased use of that technology. We've got providers who will provide things like payment terminals in vehicles, private hire, et cetera, for taxis. But then yeah. they're already talking to us saying, well, actually, the device going forward will now incorporate two cameras, you know, a dash cam and an inward facing for the driver's security and CCTV as well as um, a device in the rear of the car for passenger Wi-Fi. So yeah. the, um, you know, there's a single-use device, which all of a sudden the data that that device is going to consume will quadruple at least yeah. because they're just bolting new and new things onto it. And you're, and, you're, and you're hitting like markets like obviously insurance, predictive maintenance. There's going to be you know, probably some kind of drive-as-you or uh, pay-as-you-drive models, which we know already in some of the big insurance companies. So, yeah, I mean, the list is kind of endless and, What's nice is we, you know, we we've spoken about markets growing, we've so spoken about um, levels like layers of, and I, and I don't quite want to say complexity, but layers that make it special what you do in this market because it's not like you can just get it everywhere, which is great. I think that's good. You kind of differentiate yourself, and then we talk about, um, you know, sort of more and more use cases as the as the piece goes forward, and that to me has got business case written all over it. And I think for our partners, you know, whether you are telecoms reseller, um, you're an ISP perhaps, maybe you're a managed service provider, or you have your own solution that you just need to look at how you connect that. The requirements uh, from, a, from, a, from a growing market is 100% there. And we kind of want to probably bring it to a bit of a close there and, and sort of not overstate it. I think our position is to ensure that we always bring the best for our partners, whether it be multiple country solutions, whether it be improved security, or whether it just be some advice on how we get your stuff off the ground. That's what we do better than anyone, I think. You know, we really put ourselves forward in terms of executing and helping uh, the partners connect the right thing the first time rather than getting it wrong and having to readjust and change it out. You know, we're not just here to uh, get a quick fix out of making sure you connect really quickly. It's not about that for us. We really put, take time to make sure you connect the right thing at the right time. And so with that, you know, um, I do want to thank Bernie because his time is precious. He's always <laughs> out there. But thank you for, so much for your insights, buddy. And, you know, I think maybe you want to close off by just saying one or two things that maybe our partners should consider as well. Thanks, Dan. Um, yeah, it's been a real pleasure to be on the podcast again. Thanks for having me. I think my closing points are to talk about something that I think I've said again every year since I've been at Pangea, the three pillars to success and what our partners consider when looking at opportunities. Hopefully we've been able to answer all of them inadvertently today. The first one is, is the opportunity real? I think inadvertently with 29 to 30 billion devices connected, close to four per person in the country, no one can argue the opportunity is not real. Yeah. Can I win? You can. And in partnership with Pangea, because we've spent seven years investing in our own infrastructure, our people, our capability. So we have everything that you need in one place. And then lastly, can you make money? As you alluded to, you know, the, the, we bust the myth a long time ago that IoT is something that is very low revenue per user and therefore you need to do massive volumes to make it worth your while. That is absolutely no longer the case as well. So if you're interested in getting involved in a very real market opportunity where you can win and you can make money, um, then the time is now. The great news is it's not a saturated market. You've not missed the boat. Um, but yeah, it's 
there's no better time than now. So we look forward to to hearing from people and and our partners and potential partners reaching out and this and the conversations that will flow from that. So yeah, thanks okay. again for having me, Dan. I'll leave it to you no, to close. You are you are you are very good. Yeah, those three pillars always are always something Bernie uh, talks to us about about how we can help our partners. But um, for everyone who joined, in, thanks so much for listening. You know we do appreciate it. Um, uh, if you want to know more, please do head over to our website. It's uh, particularly more on the ID podcast, but of course our blog content. Um, huge amounts of in, interesting advice, case studies, things you can use. You know when you're talking to a customer that might spark a bit of interest for some real life examples. Um, and if you want any helping hand getting started with a project or looking at how you're going to actually connect the device, the internet, what sort of sort of specifics you need, you know, give us a call for some free pointers. Very happy to be available and sort of give that advice. Um, particularly share some of the experiences that we've had all the way through. Um, again, thanks to Bernie McPhillips, who's our sales director, and I'm Dan Cunliffe, Managing Director of Pangea. Thanks so much for listening.